Alexander. Shabbat for three. Bingo! Butler will get it for the win. Butler will get it for the win. Butler will get it for the win. He is hard to believe. Here's Jordan. What's going on guys? Welcome back to Dime Dropper, our 2021 NBA Finals recaps. Before we get started, please make sure to subscribe on all platforms at YouTube at Dime Dropper Podcast, Apple Podcasts. Follow us on Spotify and of course to subscribe on all social media platforms or follow us on all social media platforms I should say at TikTok, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Dime Dropper Pod. So for today's episode, it is going to be a brief rundown of the finals. I truly apologize because I was not live for games three and four. And part of it was, you know, game four was during my dad's birthday, so I couldn't go live that day. And then game three, I don't know. I just didn't feel like it, I guess. But we'll be, I'm, I'm going to break down everything right now. Uh, I also said that I was going to make videos on the conclusion of Copa America and the Euros. So, trust me, I'm not going to just let those go untalked about. I will have an episode with our good correspondent and former guest, Nick Vecchio, come on the show in the next episode. Either Game 6 review or that will be in the next couple days. And then, after the season's over, I'm going to make a post on all platforms talking about our plans for the offseason. We got a lot of plans and some great stuff coming to you, especially in terms of basketball history content. But let's talk about the finals. So, 3-2 to the Bucks now. How incredible of a change has it been since I last spoke to you guys. The last time I was on this microphone, the Suns were up 2-0. They looked like they were about to cruise to a finals win. Possibly in five games, but likely in six games. But wow. Bucks came out with the game three win. That was the one you expected them to get. Where, you know, the backs were against the wall. You need to keep the series alive. And that's what they did. Giannis was spectacular in games two and three. Spectacular. Being very aggressive. Playing as hard as he always does. Fighting on the glass. And operating in better areas around the court. Not much. And he hasn't been doing this at all much of the series. Not just standing at the top of the key and charging in halfback dive style. As we saw, you know, when he fucked up in Toron- against Toronto in 2019. Or in 2020 in the glorified summer league. He's been catching the ball in better areas. And he's been playing as the roller and screen setter, which we've talked about so many times on Dime Dropper, is much more advantageous for his game. Game four, though. What a game that was. That was, I think that the first three games, I'm not going to lie, weren't that great. I was like, I don't know. The level of ball was good. It wasn't necessarily finals quality to me. And I thought that the, it was a little too, you know, all the games were pretty clear cut who was going to win each one as we were watching it. But Game 4 and 5 were some classics, in my opinion. And let's talk about Game 4 for a second. I thought that down the stretch of that game... By the way, Devin Booker was just spectacular in that game. Chris Paul was terrible. And Chris Middleton really closed that deal out uh, with some huge plays in that fourth quarter of Game 4. And we've talked about it all season long and all playoffs long. Chris Middleton is the closer of this team. It's, it's like a Shaq-Kobe kind of dynamic, even though I'm not trying to say that these guys are anything as good as Kobe and Shaq, but in the sense that Giannis is not the reliable guy you want to go to 
when it comes to late game situations because of free throws. If anything, you'd want Giannis just as a roller where he can kind of catch a lob, but you don't want to throw it to him to isolate or be in the post. Um, so Giannis isn't necessarily the closer. It doesn't take anything away from him, really. I mean, Shaq wasn't the closer either. Chris Middleton does a great job in that department. Drew Holiday also makes big plays, but we'll get to Drew Holiday in a second. But I thought that, obviously, Chris Paul's turnovers were very costly in Game 4, and I also don't think that DeAndre Ayton played well enough either. And I think that that was a huge missed opportunity because of how well Devin Booker played. Devin Booker was unbelievable. Devin Booker is further proving my point that I've made all season, that he's the best player on this Suns team, that the media has been riding Chris Paul like a fucking merry-go-round. And look, Chris Paul, it's very clear what he does, as I said in the first two recaps, and what I said against us. He will dominate when he gets big men on switches in pick and roll. He cannot get by anybody in terms of, you know, wing or good guard defenders. He's just not quick enough anymore, you know, to get by them. He's not doesn't have that same burst. He's 36 years old. He gets by on creating space with big guys guarding him on switches. And when the, when the Bucks go switch everything, or should I say not switch everything, switch everything except for the big man, whether it be Portis or Lopez, and the adjustment they made was putting Drew Holiday on him. And Drew Holiday's been fighting over those screens. And one thing I noticed was they like forcing, they've started to figure out, force Chris Paul left. You know, I don't know if I noticed this when he was on the Clippers, but his left is nothing compared to his right. He rarely passes with his left hand. He can't stop on a dime going left. He has to kind of full stop, square himself to the basket like LeBron does going either way. Uh, whereas when he goes right, he can stop on a dime and pull from that right elbow because he fades and turns his shoulders towards the basket. But in the left side, he needs to come to a full stop. And that gives the defense a time to recover, that split second. And they've, they've noticed this, and they're forcing him to that left side, and it's been totally different for Chris Paul. Whereas Devin Booker is great going either way, and he can pass with both hands as well, which I've started to see uh, over the course of these playoffs, and especially in these finals. But, you know, big block by Giannis in Game 4. That was a historic block on the lob, crazy recovery, crazy athleticism being shown there, and obviously the series tied 2-2. That set up the stage for last night in Game 5. I was sure that the Suns were going to win, and they came out firing Jay Crowder with eight quick points uh, in the first five minutes or so, and the crazy part is, though, he only scored two points the rest of the game. Part of it's because he just didn't get that many good looks. Part of it's because the ball didn't move the same after that first quarter for the Suns. And Devin Booker was off to a great start. He was dominating in the early going, making all sorts of difficult shots, you know, step backs, mid-ranges, scoring at all three levels like he so often does. But DeAndre Ayton, he wasn't getting many touches. He wasn't getting many touches. There were a couple times where he got the switch, the favorable switch, but Booker wanted to go and, or should I say, Aiden was like, you know, book, nah, you go for the switch. You go one-on-one. And here's the thing. I get it. Booker's the best scorer on the team. He's the best player on the team. But at some point, Aiden's got to realize that the reason why he beat us was because, um, or why the Suns beat us, Aiden was the best player in our series, in the Clippers series. So games four and game five, despite what the stats suggest in game five, which I'm going to break down in more depth in a second, DeAndre Ayton didn't play well. No, he didn't play well. He was too timid. He didn't look to get involved. He didn't look to post up. He's clearing the lane when he's got a mismatch for Booker to isolate against a better defender like a Giannis or a Drew Holiday or a Middleton, which when you got seven foot Ayton with skill against Drew Holiday or even a, a PJ Tucker or a, or a Chris Middleton in the post or a Pat Connaughton, Throw that thing to him. Go post up. Go fight for position. 
But anyway, so the Suns were up 16 points after one, 37-21. And then the second quarter was all Bucks, 43-24. They outscored the Suns. And a large reason of, uh, to that was actually the lineup with Giannis on the bench and Booker on the bench. And Monty may have waited too long with Booker on that bench, but in that lineup with, I believe it was Chris Paul, Torrey Craig, Cam Johnson, Cam Payne, I think may have been on the court at the same time as Chris Paul, it was a train wreck. They couldn't create shots. The offense slowed down. Chris Paul was not wheeling and dealing that offense like we saw, we're so often used to seeing him do. And the Bucks just completely got back in the game. And it was like a straight-up three-minute stretch where Booker was ready to check back into the game. And there was just no dead ball. And it just carried on. And the momentum was all in Milwaukee's favor. And Chris Middleton was starting to hit shots. And Drew Holiday was just fantastic from the tip. I mean, he was getting in his mid-range area. And this is coming off game four where he shot really poorly. But he was getting in his mid-range area. He was getting to the basket. He was hitting threes. I mean, he was just doing it all for the Bucks. And they got back into that game, and we had a close game at the half. But I was thinking to myself going into half, like, okay, the Bucks made a run. The Suns are still at home. The Suns are still the better team. The Suns are still in a must-win situation here. They're going to come out in the second half with desperation and kill this game off. How wrong was I? You know, third quarter, the Suns come into it down by three, and they still get outscored by seven points. And this is where I think the Bucks. you just got to give them credit for playing so well and shooting the ball so well. They just couldn't miss. And this is where Giannis really started, you know, showing me some, some big-time moments. I'm not saying he's drastically improved his skill because he hasn't. He's improved a little bit. And one of the ways he's improved is he has, a, I don't want to call it a signature shot, but he has a shot that he's added into his repertoire. And that is from around 10 feet or in. He has a right-legged, a one-legged fade on some Dirk Nowitzki shit where he puts his right leg up and he fades away uh, off that left leg from around 10 feet or in. And he's starting to make it. He's starting to put soft touch on it where he gets to bounce off the front of the rim a lot of the times. And he made a couple of those in that third quarter. He even had one nice jump hook. Um, what's it called? He had nice one nice jump hook over the left shoulder, which is rare. You don't see that too much from Giannis. Um, that was nice that he got a bounce on. And then he even hit a step back 18-footer. That's when you knew he was hot in that third quarter. And and then Chris Middleton was just coming off screens, pulling threes, kidding contested mid-ranges, coming off dribble handoffs. And then Drew Holiday was in on the act. And it was just those three, the big three for the Milwaukee Bucks, performed so well together. And to, for them to all play well at the same time was just was just very big. And in that third quarter, that's what they did. And I thought for the Suns, they went very stagnant. It was a lot of, okay, Devin Booker, high pick and roll. Chris Paul's going to stand around in the corner. Everybody else is going to sit there and watch. And, you know, he still made some really tough shots, but it was a lot of trading baskets. And you know what that happens when one guy is is taking over so much and one guy is getting all the shots, other guys can be out of rhythm. And that was happening to Phoenix in that third quarter, whereas the Bucks had three guys that, that were just on it like crazy. And all of them were eating. And Chris Paul, you know, for those, I need to look up the stats for those first three quarters. But Chris Paul, coming off one of the worst playoff games of his career, you know, and in one of the biggest games of his career, to play with, I think the Suns in general, after the first quarter, just played with a very big lack of urgency. Like, it looked like the, the Bucks were the hungrier team. And that should never be the case, that the Bucks were the hungrier team. I mean, 
they just seemed like they were first to every loose ball, playing harder, more physical defense, getting more rebounds. I think they only won the rebound battle by two, but I just felt as though they looked a hungrier team. I just didn't see that hunger from guys like Aiton, from guys like Chris Paul. And I shouldn't be talking about hunger in relation to Chris Paul. I mean, he's I, I've said in the past, he's the hungriest player in the league without a championship. But Giannis may be right on that level because, look, let me see what Chris Paul was doing through three quarters. Yeah, Chris Paul had 11 points through three quarters. He only he scored 10 points on four of four in the fourth. So that means, and look, I always say it's not about how you start the game, it's how you finish it. But when you lose the game, it's different from when you win the game. If you do enough to win, then it's fine. We don't even have to talk about it. But when you lose the game, you got to look at everything. And so if you subtract those four shots that he made in that fourth quarter, he was 5 for 11, which is not too bad of stats going into that fourth quarter. But 11 points is not good enough in the biggest game of your life. You know what I'm saying? That's And this is Chris Paul. This is one of the best point guards of all time. This is the guy that everyone's talked about is the reason why the Suns are so good. First team All-NBA and Devin Booker's not. And where was he in those first three quarters? Nowhere to be found. And you can also look. I'm not going to just excuse Devin Booker. I think that he went too heliocentric in that third quarter. The Suns stopped moving the ball. You know, you can still get good looks off swinging the ball. And the Suns do such a great job of that. Swing the ball, then run your pick and rolls. Swing the ball, and then Mikhail Bridges goes into a dribble handoff. Or, you know, Jay Crowder can, uh, somebody's closing out hard on Jay Crowder, and he runs him off the line and makes a play. Throw the ball down to Ayton. It just became very stagnant, and I think that that's part of where the Suns went wrong. And in the fourth quarter, the Suns went down. They were still down, and Chris Paul started getting hot. You know, he made a three to make it 108-100 and started to make shots. Devin Booker slowly started to make shots as well. But I'm afraid it was too little too late, and despite the fact that they got closer and it looked like the Bucks were going to blow it, Drew Holiday. First of all, Giannis had a nice end one also with a nice right-to-left crossover going downhill. And, you know, again... The thing with Giannis is he um, he's uh, a tank. And I think that he's tough to stop going downhill, period. And you kind of have to just guess. With today's rules, when you can't really put the hands on the offensive player, even though the finals have, been, have had more physicality allowed, obviously it's not like the past. When you can't put hands on the player, you know, and obviously no defensive three in the key, um, and you can't pack the paint. You know, Brooke Lopez is standing at the three-point line. It's harder to stop a guy like a Giannis. And you kind of have to just guess where, guess where he goes and take a hit to the chest because they give the advantage to the offensive players. And Giannis getting downhill with that right-to-left cross, that was nice, got an and one. But the play of the game and the play of the series that we may remember forever is Devin Booker trying to, when it was, they were down by two, 118-120, to 120, I believe was the score. Correct me if I'm wrong. Yeah, I think it was 118-120. to 120. Devin Booker drives, and for whatever reason... I don't know why he didn't pull up for that mid-range jumper in the left elbow. I don't know why. They didn't even contest it. Like, they were sitting on the drive. They wanted him to go left and try to go all the way into the help. And he could have pulled that left elbow. Instead, he stopped. He didn't keep his dribble alive. He turned around. He could have. He had a, only a split second to kick it out to Chris Paul. It was very quick. It was a tough play to make. He either had to pull that mid-range or he had to kick it out to Chris Paul. And the second he turned around... Drew Holiday being one of the best defenders of this generation, so smart. He turned, he the ball was at a good uh, height for Drew Holiday, just get his hands in, snag it away 
What a play that was. And then I thought they were going to just run it out and waste time. And Drew Holiday went risky. He went for the lob. It was a great pass. Giannis threw it down and put the exclamation point on what was one of the biggest wins in the history of the Bucks franchise. A huge win. A win I did not think they can get. A third consecutive win. A win in which the Bucks not only made so many tough shots, couldn't miss in that second half for large stretches, and more importantly, didn't make many low IQ decisions. And I said that I thought, multi- and I, I may look stupid for it, and that's fine. You know, I'm out here, you know, trying to just give you what I think of the game. I'm not going to be perfect. I'm not, you know, the greatest analyst in the world. I may be wrong. I said the Bucks' basketball IQ wasn't high enough to win this chip. And I still could be right, but right now it's like I may be wrong, and I'm going to be wrong because they've been smarter these last three games. The first two games, they look like they're proving me right. These last three games, they've been so much better, and I think that part of it's because Chris Paul really hasn't had a very good game since game two. And this is, and Aiton hasn't had a good game since I think game two as well. And, you know, Chris and Aiton were the reason why they, like, it's been a big three this playoffs. And it's just not good enough. It's just not good enough, especially for Chris Paul, who everyone has made a big deal about this being his title run. This is supposed to be his moment. The Phoenix Suns have never won a championship, and I've said it so many times, they will not get a better opportunity than this for a while. This is their chance. This is their chance to do it. They are play- They had injuries against every team they played, and now they're finally playing a healthy team, and they're struggling immensely. This is the first time they've lost three games in a series this year, and they should be winning because I think they're the better team, but maybe they're not. Maybe because the Bucks' big three right now, Drew, Middleton, and Giannis, are outplaying Aiton, Chris Paul, and Book. And I feel bad for Book because even though he's made some mistakes, he's trying really hard. He's getting buckets every game. But Giannis' lob, I mean, that was big time. And Chris Paul with the borderline, I don't even want to say borderline, that was a dirty play, pushing him in the air like that, full-on shove, Giannis is so damn strong though, he's finished it regardless, but that was dangerous for Chris Paul to do something like that, but it doesn't surprise me one bit, because I know what Chris Paul's on, and what a bad loss for the Suns, now all the pressure's on them to win game six, I'm not going to make a prediction on the game, but I do think that the Bucks, obviously, it's in their favor. They have to win this. They have to finish them right here. This is a chance. It's a must-win for both teams. And is Giannis really about to win his first title? And first of all, I cannot stand the constant need to make an all-time discussion out of something whenever this happens. Where does Giannis rank now? Where is this? Has he surpassed this guy? It's so mind-numbing and annoying. It's like it makes me not want anybody to win a championship anymore in the modern NBA because history is discredited and it's all about agendas and recency bias. And I just I can't stand it. Why can't we just enjoy it and celebrate the player for what he did instead of trying to say he's better than so and so? It makes it like I want I would love if Giannis won this championship. But I ain't trying to hear ridiculous discussions. Let's be honest. Giannis improved, but he didn't improve drastically over last year. He improved. I think, if anything, he got smarter. He also has better teammates. He has a more favorable route. Let's be honest. They have not played one great team this entire run. The Nets were a great team, but Kyrie Irving got injured, and they played against a fat and... No, okay, I'm not going to say a fat, but an injured plumber gym. So... They, and I, look, that game seven to go into Brooklyn and win was incredible still. And this Suns team is very good. But man, this ain't a great team they're playing. But all credit to them, more power to them. People were saying that we didn't know if Chris Middleton was the second best player on a championship team. 
Well, right now he's looking like that. And he's looking like the closer on a championship team. Say what you want about their route and opposition. You know, it's not like there's never been uh, injured routes to the playoffs or to the championship, a la 2015 Warriors. Uh, and then, obviously, the, the question I asked, is Giannis good enough to be the best running championship team even though he can't close games? Right now, the answer looks like it's yes because of the way he has changed his game in the sense that he is screening more and rolling more, and that's much better than standing at the top of the key and charging in. And he does that occasionally, but I've seen it more from 18 feet away, from the elbow, you know, getting the ball in better spots. And I think that that's worked a lot better, and it's letting him conserve his energy for defense more, and he's done a great job on that end as well. And so let's read the lines. And by the way, guys like P.J. Tucker, guys like Bobby Portis, they have been phenomenal in this playoff run, fighting on the glass, playing hard defense, and just bringing energy to the table for the Bucks. And those are just two guys that they really didn't have last year. And just those two guys are the addition of Drew Holiday. And the best teacher is experience. And the Bucks' failures two years in a row have prepared them for this moment. And so let's talk about the lines. For the Suns, Jay Crowder, 10 points. 40 minutes played, 4 of 7. He just didn't get many looks after that first quarter. And I thought his defense was poor for many stretches of the game. Closing out too hard, getting blown by. It was not the Jay Crowder defense that I was used to. Not at all. I thought he was disappointing last night on that end of the floor. And that's just something that, you know, the Suns don't allow 123 points at home very much. You know what I'm saying? Especially in a game where the refs are calling it a little bit more loose. So that's disappointing. And Jay Crowder, I thought, was one guy that was not on par on his defense. Um, I thought DeAndre Ayton as well, not as good at defense as he usually is. Mikhail Bridges, 13 points, 5 of 6. I thought he was actually pretty good, um, but I thought that he went uninvolved for stretches of the game majorly, and that's not his fault. I think that's more on Devin Booker. Um, Ayton, 20 points and 10 rebounds. I don't know how he put up those stats. I didn't notice that at all. 7 of 12, he just wasn't good enough. I don't care what the stats say in this era where you can put up fucking great stats and play like shit. Uh, no, you're not getting away with that. And same with Chris Paul. 21 and 11, too little, too late. Not a good performance. I don't care what anybody says. Not good enough. Uh, Booker, 17 of 33. He shot 18 more shots than anyone else. I just don't know if that's the move. Even though 40 points and extremely great efficiency, I just think that the Suns went away from what they do best, and that's swinging the ball. I think Book needs to be a... I, I can't believe I'm saying it, but he needs to be slightly more unselfish next game a little bit. And it's tough. It's very tough. Um, but that's that's it for that uh, for the Suns in that one. For the Bucks though... And it's by the way, Pat Connaughton's been so good in this series. He's made threes. He's played great defense. Four of six from the field. All of his shots were threes. Fourteen points and six boards. And I just thought he was he was awesome. And uh, let's look at the the Bucks. Other than that, though, Drew Holiday. I mean, the big defensive plays. But more importantly, when he's making shots, I mean, the Bucks are a great team. When he's making shots, they got a great shot of beating anybody. Because we know what he's going to bring on the defensive end of things. 27 points, 4 rebounds, 13 assists, 3 steals, including the biggest one. And one of the biggest steals in NBA history if the Bucks are able to win that next game. 12 of 20 from the field. For any of you guys that are a little slow at math, that is a whopping 65%. Chris Middleton, 29 points, 7 boards, 5 assists, 12 of 23 from the field. 3 of 8 from 3. He's been phenomenal in these last two games. And then Giannis putting up historic numbers. 32 points, 9 rebounds, 6 assists, 14 of 23 from the field. His free throws still suck, 4 of 11, but he's playing so hard. And the Bucks with an incredible win, 
three in a row, 123 to 119, find themselves one win away from their second ever NBA championship. And Giannis winning a championship after staying in Milwaukee after everyone and the media tried to force him out of that city for two years. It was unbearable to watch and witness. And for Giannis to stay when everyone says, well, Giannis is guaranteed he's never going to win a championship. This is what that's all about. This is why this championship that he's going to win, or if he wins, is going to be more satisfying than so many championships that people have won in NBA history. Because when everybody was saying you shouldn't stay, when the media was trying to force him to a Miami, to a Golden State, he stayed. And you know what? Yeah, he got some luck. Yeah, the Suns may not have been the best team in the West. Yeah, he played against an injured net squad. Yeah, he played against an inexperienced Hawks team. If anybody deserves the luck, it's the Bucks and it's Giannis. And getting Drew Holiday, give credit to Rob... Uh, I almost said Robert Sarver. He's the Suns guy. Mark Lazary and the Bucks front office for bringing in Drew Holiday, who is just a hooper. Plain and simple, a hooper. And... The, the New Orleans Pelicans had their best finish in a long time with Drew Holiday in 2018. And now the Milwaukee Bucks are reaping the benefits of that move with Drew Holiday now. And now they're one win away from a freaking championship. And it would just be an incredible story. But for the Suns, they cannot go out like this. You take it back to Game 7, you're winning, you're winning a championship. I don't believe the Suns will lose a Game 7 at home. But you got to bring it back. And this is a... this is You want to talk about legacy games? This is a legacy game for Chris Paul. He needs to play better than that. You know, okay? He needs to be more effective. He needs to be better on defense. That's another thing I didn't even talk about. Defense? Every time Chris Paul is guarding Chris Middleton, Drew Holiday, or Giannis, he's getting his ass taken to the post, he's reaching in and gambling, or he's just getting bully-balled all the way to the rim. And this is Chris Paul, who's talked about as one of the best defensive point guards of all time. I said it even on the Clippers. He was always slightly overrated in that department. He has great anticipation. He reads the game great, and he has great hands. But one-on-one, staying in front of somebody, no, he is not the best. And he's not even one of the best point guard defenders of all time in that respect, in my opinion. I don't care how many defensive team selections the bullshit-ass, casual-ass casual media wants to give him. I don't give a fuck. I watched him on my team for six years. I know what his strengths and weaknesses are. And you're going to get better content and analysis from me than those casuals. I don't care what anybody says. But anyway, that's it for me today, guys. Thanks so much for joining me. I'm going to be coming out with, obviously, Game 6. But Copa America and the Euros, congratulations to the Italians. It did not come home, sadly. I will be talking about it with my friend, Nick Vecchio. But until then, I'll see you. Thanks for joining me on these finals episodes. Now we're going to go to the live chat. 50 subscribers waiting today on this Very beautiful day in Los Angeles. Let's see what they have to say. Peace out, and I'll see you soon.